her mom told me it was just such a cool experience because her her peers you know her classmates got to see her outside of her wheelchair and they got to see her doing something super athletic and she was shredding it up coming to you from minneapolis minnesota a conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors i'm your host jody gruen and we do this for fun Fitness, the outdoors, and fun is for everyone. But the reality is, if you have a disability, this trifecta isn't always available to you. Enter our guest, Megan Welty. Megan is an adaptive sports and recreation professional with Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. Megan helps break down barriers to make access to movement, and often movement outdoors, a reality for people who have traditionally been excluded. Passionate about recreation, inclusion, excellence, and empowering others, she finds joy in creating meaningful experiences for each participant that helps them meet their personal goals. The result? Some of the happiest people I've seen on the trails and the hills here in Minnesota is someone that I see with somebody in Courage Kenny gear. This quote from a Courage Kenny athlete that I saw on a video on the website says it best. To be active is to breathe, it's to be in the world. Megan, welcome to We Do This For Fun. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. You and I have been kind of going back and forth for a while. So I'm glad that this finally has has happened. Yes. We basically had to get through our downhill ski season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I imagine is pretty busy. Yes. Yeah. Very yes. busy. Yeah. And I do want to mention we are at the trailhead at Theater Worth Park. So there's always something going on here. There's bustling and it looks sounds like there might be a little grass clipping that might happen in the background. So just be aware that if you hear things... Um, it's We're just outside. the way it goes. We're outside because that's where we love to be. You yeah. got it. All right. Um, so uh, I respect you and your work so much because I feel like it's kind of, um, it reminds me so much of my childhood. My dad was one of the pioneers in ad- adapted athletics here in Minnesota. Um, doing, And I went to tons of floor hockey games and soccer and things like that, Special Olympics. Like it was just part of kind of our DNA as a family because of his profession. Uh, Megan, I would love for you to start with a little bit about your history uh, and why you decided to to develop a career in adaptive sports and recreation. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and just chat about adaptive sports and inclusion and getting outside. Um, It's one of my favorite topics, so pretty easy. But I actually... My mom was a special education teacher and worked in education for a number of years. And so, again, it was it was kind of in my DNA, too. Um, But I didn't really know that's what I wanted to do. So I actually studied just recreation in college and um, got a degree in recreation management where a lot of my peers were going into running a golf course or parks and recreation and, and those kind of roles. Um, and always loved camping and summer mm-hmm. camp. Like my summer camp experiences were the highlights of my summer growing up. And so I always thought I wanted to run a camp someday until I realized when you're on, you're on. Yeah. And there's yeah. no breaks, right? <laughs> um, and so worked as a wilderness guide for a number of years and just loved being able to connect with people and help them have those aha moments, whether it was on whitewater rafting or in the backcountry as a, um, or rock climbing. And so, it was, 
in my internship um, at Wilderness Inquiry, another amazing nonprofit oh, yeah. in town that provides inclusive experiences in the outdoors, that I've really found my love of working with folks with disabilities. Um, and always had my eye on Courage Center at the time. And was actually signed up to be a first-year volunteer with the downhill ski program um, and was invited to apply for a position that opened up and I took over the program. Wow. <laughs> Which was pretty wild to think about at the time of like not knowing anything about adaptive skiing, but we have the most amazing group of volunteers that they really taught me everything I know. Uh, many people that are involved in the programming have been doing this for 20 plus years and it is a very tight-knit community and really just becomes an extension of your family. So they really brought me up through the ranks and um, just been really fortunate to be with Courage Kenny now for almost 10 years. Wow. So it sounds like your work is actually fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know too many people that talk about work and saying family. I mean, that's really that's really impressive. Um, so what about like who who are the typical clients that you serve? So Courage Kenny, I mean, we it's, it's Courage Kenny is part of a line of health, but we um, have a whole continuum of care from uh, inpatient rehab unit to adaptive sports and recreation and kind of do the whole works of, of everything from driver's assessment and training, physical mm. therapy, occupational therapy, speech, vocational services, a whole bunch of different stuff. So when it comes to the adaptive sports programming, we really, it's a pretty inclusive program. Um, some of the sports that we offer, like wheelchair basketball, for example, you mm. have to have a certain level of disability okay. in order to be able to participate, meaning in order to play basketball, um, in a sports wheelchair, you have to have some type of disability that impacts your lower extremities. Got it. Um, which is modeled after the Paralympic model. Yeah. And then other activities that we offer are way more inclusive. So rock climbing, where we partner with Vertical Endeavors in Bloomington, it's everybody and everyone. Um, you know, kids that are on the autism spectrum to adults that have a spinal cord injury, individuals that use power wheelchairs to get around, some folks use crutches. It's just this really amazing inclusive activity where we just work with the individuals to set their own personal goals and we get after it. Um, so it's some of our sp more competitive sports are very specific on who can mm -hmm. participate and then more of our recreational activities are a lot more open to everyone. Yeah. I think listeners would probably be surprised about the breadth and depth of your offerings. Um, I Like I mentioned the video that I watched on the website, I was floored with the opportunities that exist. Could you maybe share a couple of the like the opportunities that you offer people that maybe people wouldn't expect um, maybe um, someone with a disability to be able to participate in? Yeah, so that's such a good question. Um, one of our mottos for a long time has been like, we're not here to tell you what to play, but to give you choices, Ooh, right? So yeah. let's just, let's get out. We're going to try something new. We may not know if it's going to work right away, but we adapt and we figure it out together. Um, Courage County has also had a long history of competitive sports as a Paralympic sport club. And many of our athletes have gone on to the Paralympics over the years, which is amazing in and of itself. So there's everything from wheelchair basketball, wheelchair lacrosse, wheelchair rugby, um, scuba diving that we do right when our warm water pool in Golden Valley. Uh, on Monday night, I was just out at our adaptive water ski training at Medicine Lake, and we have another program at Lake Owasso. So there's just, an, um, our largest program is downhill skiing. Okay. So we teach adaptive downhill skiing and snowboarding lessons at six different locations um, around Minnesota. 
and Nordic Skiing right here at Theater Worth, where we partner with the Lopet Foundation. Um, so, God, there really, there really is something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, cycling is another program that is super, super popular right now. Uh, golf at Eagle Lake and Braemar and so many other locations around the Twin Cities. So there's different activities and really we meet people where they're at. Um, Some of the more introductory sports are bowling. You know, Mm, we have a huge stroke population that participates in our bowling program. And it's so fun because a lot of times it's the first activity they do after their stroke. And it's a gateway to be able to do many other activities. Um, I remember one of our clients, he went bowling with me. It was his first activity after his stroke. Um, He just graduated from physical therapy and we were bowling together. And that eventually led to archery which led to cycling, which then led to him having the confidence to go back and get his driver's license again. And just the impact of being able to do these activities, um, which builds community and confidence, it's it's why I keep coming back. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. That was the question I was going to ask is, you know, have you seen people start with one thing and then move to the other? And it sounds like yeah. that's a very natural progression yep. to build, empower, and then to really achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. And then there's, you know, some of our sports that are more competitive, um, like wheelchair basketball, for example. Many of our athletes go on and get a college scholarship to play wheelchair basketball in college. Um, and so those are the conversations that we're having with parents of your kid, if they want to take this somewhere, mm-hmm. they can. They are an athlete. Yeah. It is not just everybody gets a medal type of activity. It is we are out here to compete. We are, you know, using our bodies and be, and we're strong. And these are athletes that we're working with. Yeah. So it's really fun. So there are opportunities for everyone. Yeah. 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 Um, and the other thing is we're really a resource too. So if we don't offer it, we typically know who to does in town mm-hmm. and try to connect people to an organization. So say they want to do dance or art or camping or fishing. We may not do it personally through our Courage County, but we'll connect you to another organization. Okay. So well-resourced and very connected. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So an active lifestyle helps all of us thrive. I mean, that the, the science is clear on that. So in your opinion, how does participation in sports and or in nature affect one's quality of life? So one of the things that I think is most important that comes out of a lot of our activities is the confidence in our athletes and participants that are out doing these activities. For so many of them, it is becomes how they identify themselves. Mm. You know, I'm a skier. Yeah. I'm a basketball player. I am an archer or a rugby player. Um, and it's not, hey, I'm a person with a spinal cord injury or, you know, I don't have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. It is, this is who I am and this is how I identify myself. Um, and I think that's true for any athlete. And being a part of team sports is also just a powerful experience. I mean, you learn so much about leadership and empathy and um, just who you are as a team. And so for so many kids with disabilities, that sometimes isn't always an option. Um, And there's many sports through like the Minnesota State High School League, for example, um, which are amazing. And then, you know, this kind of takes it to that next level where these kids get to travel to state to state to be able to compete and go to a national tournament, get recruited by colleges and hopefully have that dream of being on Team USA someday. Um, And so it is it it really does provide so many opportunities to just 
really becoming one in yourself of how you identify as a person and being active and healthy and learning how to use your body um, and just being out there and having fun. So having fun is probably the most important part. Well, and just living a normal life, you know, getting to do what everybody else does or has the opportunity to do if we so choose. Yes. Yeah. I remember one of our skiers telling me that he... It took a pretty big spill on the ski hill. You know, we would call it a yard sale um, <laughs> out at Highland Hills. And the mom came back the next week and she's like, you wouldn't believe it. He went to school and told everybody that he did a yard sale this weekend. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, he took a big spill on the ski hill and got right back up and got back out there. And so, you know, those little learning opportunities and being able to talk to your peers about being a skier Mm. and going out and doing it it's it's just awesome yeah okay so I imagine just you know with these sports you need coaches right yeah okay so who what who's who, who coaches these these kids and adults? So amazingly, we have about 1,200 volunteers annually. Volunteers. That, volunteers that support the program. Um, and the volunteers are coaches. There are downhill ski instructors. There are rock climbing instructors. Um, individuals that we um, assist with training. And then they get to go out and actually, they, they're the ones that create the magic. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Um, and so you really create this really tight bond with your athlete and it becomes a community of people. Um, and so, you know, one of the interesting things is just like so many other organizations, volunteers are hard to come by these days. Yeah. Um, many people are looking for those kind of one and done volunteer opportunities. And I would just really challenge folks to think like, how can I make an impact? It's by showing up for the next eight weeks, going to bowling and assisting somebody mm-hmm. so that they can also have a really cool, fun experience. Um, and so it's definitely a commitment, but for so many of our volunteers, they say they feel like they get so much out of it too, that they just love it and keep coming back. Yeah. Volunteering, I think, can be one of the most life-giving things that you do. Mm-hmm. Like, it can be hard. It can be hard after a day's work or something to know that there's another thing on your plate. But I feel like once you get there, it just ends up being just so, so magical. Yeah. And the idea of giving back, like, is so good for us, our soul, and, like, our giving us purpose in yeah. life. One of the things I love about our downhill ski program that we talk about all the time is that it forces you to put your skis on mm-hmm. and get out. You know, we're going to Highland Hills on a Monday night. Let's go. Let's get our skis on. Yeah. Let's go. Like, yep. um, and then you can get a couple runs in yourself personally before or after lessons. And so that's another thing that I've heard from a lot of our volunteers is like it, it encourages them to get uh-huh. out and be active as well, yeah. which is super fun. Right. Um, and it's not just, oh, I'm going to Highland Hills or going to Theater Worth or, you know, like, yeah, you can get your own joy lap in yeah. um, before or after program. Yep. All right. So if you were interested in volunteering, is this something where you need to be like a very skilled instructor in, you know, the um, the sport itself? Like, mm-hmm. do I need to be a really great downhill skier? I'm imagining with skiing, it's probably different, but maybe with something like archery or bowling mm-hmm. or something like that, do you need really special skills and be 
like really great yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really depends on the sport. Okay. Um, you know, skiing, there's a, a minimum level of requirements okay. to be a downhill ski instructor. We want you to be pretty competent. Uh, but then we do all the training. Okay. So we train you how to be a bi ski instructor, how to lift and load, how to tether, how to teach a progression of skills, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, for bowling it's really there to be assisting people and just be willing to have fun and try something new um cycling you just need to have a bike yeah yeah. (laughs) you know so it really depends on the activity but we provide training for all the activities that we do there is an application process you know we do background checks we want to protect the folks that we work with um all that kind of stuff just like many volunteer gigs but uh for all of the activities we provide the training too Mm -hmm. So what do you think the impact is about, you know, other kids maybe seeing their peers that have a disability out on the trails? Like, what does that do for not just the person who's getting to have the experience, but people seeing Mm -hmm. kids have the experience or adults for that matter? Yeah. Um, Well, I can tell you a story about one of our little athletes at the ski hill this winter. She, um, Highland Hills, it's great. They offer a school group program for adaptive as well. So when the kids go there for field trips, they also um, provide adaptive lessons, and we partner with them where they can use our equipment during that time. And so she was out monoskiing amongst her peers. And her mom told me it was just such a cool experience because her, her peers, you know, her classmates got to see her outside of her wheelchair, and they got to see her doing something super athletic. Mm-hmm. And she was shredding it up. And having an awesome time. And so much that she kept telling the instructor, like, I don't, you know, like, I want to get off the bunny hill because I want to go have fun with my friends. So let's go. And it was just it. Her mom just said it was the best experience for both her friends, her teachers um, and her, her and her own confidence to be able to go and do that with her friends. So and similarly, like with our kids that participate in the wheelchair basketball program, when their friends come and watch their games at the Courage Kenny Classic, our home tournament, it's like it's so eye opening for them to see their friend as an athlete mm-hmm. um, and see them compete and to sweat and to have a great time on a team. Um, and the level of competition, I think a lot of folks are really surprised on how competitive it is. Yeah. Um, I know ahead of this podcast, you and I were kind of talking and, you know, as we're talking about kids being able to see other kids doing Mm -hmm. things and that they are very able to do things. They just need, we just need to adapt things a little bit so they can fully participate just like their peers. Um, There's also opportunities in schools and in other places where students can do things together Mm -hmm. where like, you know, a gym class can be adapted or um, a sport can be adapted and kids like actually play a sport along together Mm -hmm. um are you seeing it's my understanding there is a growth in this um are you seeing that or having experiences with any of your clients that are doing this even in their own schools oh yeah we had a teacher that borrowed a small fleet of sport wheelchairs this winter for her gym class and taught a section on wheelchair basketball Mm -hmm. um because one of her students is one of our wheelchair basketball players so it was a no-brainer for her to think oh how can i think creatively to include the student in an activity that they're passionate about Mm -hmm. and we can teach their friends about it um, and create something where the student can really shine um, and be able to do that with their peers. And they had a blast. Okay, so the peers are also in 
a yeah. wheelchair? Yeah. So they, <gasps> yep. So the gym class, um, I bet all she just rocked it. The they, sport wheelchairs, <laughs> and they played basketball together. Oh. So this kid, the athlete, was able to teach them how to dribble, um, how to push the chairs around, and the students be able to realize, like, whoa, this is way harder than yeah. we thought. Um, how to shoot the hoops, you know, the whole thing. So it was really cool, and just kudos to the teacher to think, how can I adapt this for this one kid, right. and also make it super inclusive and fun for the whole class. Right. Um, and, you know, we'll do the same thing with University of Minnesota med students and have them come out and sit in the sport wheelchairs and play a game of pickup basketball. Mm-hmm. And it's so eye-opening um, for these students to be like, oh, this is what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Special Olympics has created unified sports which is just a really powerful program and that's what you're seeing popping up in a lot of the schools these days um and it's really a cool program because many of our athletes also participate in it and you get to just do things with your peers and just be a big group together and get to go out and just have fun yeah so it's pretty special so if there were educators maybe listening to this or people that run programs they could reach out to your organization and you could maybe even put them in touch with other organizations that might help them be able to run, you know, a week long thing like this gym teacher did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, it, and even just like how to adapt a class, oh, you know, okay. say you have a student when you're, classroom that has a disability like what are some simple things that you could do to help to adapt to that um, and oftentimes we lean on our specialists at Courage with our PTs and OTs to help with that kind of thing yeah. too um, and our therapeutic rec specialists that really can get in and just say oh why don't you try this yeah. or here borrow this piece of adaptive equipment um, you know we have had students that are going cross-country skiing with their school group and so they'll borrow a sit ski from us and the Lopit Foundation so mm-hmm. that one of their students can participate Um, and if their student needs a little bit more support then we even have more of like a sled type of device that can help them get out on the snow with their peers so there's different ways to do it and I think it's just a really challenging ourselves to think how can we include this person and make some small adjustments so everybody can go and have fun together okay could we talk about words Um, I know that people this sometimes the this subject of people with disabilities can be People don't, people feel uncomfortable. They don't want to offend anyone. In terms of language right now, what, what is the language we should be using around disability? So one of the things to take note for working with folks with disabilities is person first language. Um, you know, always really identifying the individual first. So mm-hmm. instead of saying, uh, and it's hard for even me to even say it sometimes this way because I'm so used to the yeah. other way. But instead of saying this wheelchair person, yeah. um, you know, somebody that uses a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, or this um, cerebral palsy kid. Like we would say, oh, this child has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, and oftentimes. Like he's just, a child first. Yes. Absolutely. Who happens to have. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that we teach our volunteers is we just call each other by our first names, Mm. you know, and get to know pronouns, like just really identifying the person and helping them see themselves with who they are um, and not um, identifying them by their disability. So there's a lot of 
talk in the disability community right now about person-first language. Mm-hmm. There's some people that don't like it, that have a disability, okay. that want to be identified by their disability. Okay. So really, it's just getting to know the individual, individual. and what their preference is. Yeah. Um, same thing with using the term like an autistic child versus a child with autism. Um, everybody has their own preference. And so there's really no right or wrong way if you're getting to know the person first. Right. What about the words special needs? Yeah. You know, we try to stay away from it. Yeah. Um, Because, I I mean, in education, you hear this all over the place. And I know I've read articles that say, no, 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 no. Yeah. I think it's becoming more and more a dated term. Okay. Um, And when we talk about individuals in the disability community, like we typically will say like the disability community or the deaf and hard of hearing community um, and stay away more from special needs because it's really saying like, well, something's different, but, Mm -hmm. and something about them makes them special, but really they're just like everybody else, you know, (laughs) like it doesn't, it's, and there's other folks that still like that term. So yeah. it's, again, I think it's just about getting to know the individual and what their preference is. Yeah, because really special could mean like, oh, she's got a lot of freckles. Oh, or, totally. oh, she has really curly hair, yeah. like you do. Yeah. Or really straight hair, like I do right now. I mean, just so, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, what about involvement? So you mentioned that there's opportunities for coaching. Mm-hmm. People can get involved that way if they would like to uh, get involved with Courage Kenny. Um, but I imagine there's probably other ways like financially potentially or maybe something I haven't thought of. Yeah. So one of the things that we try to do is break down barriers and break down barriers to participate in the programs and so a couple of things that come into play is the financial barrier of being able to provide scholarships for individuals to participate. Um, we provide all of the adaptive equipment, which isn't cheap. Um, like a sit ski for cross country skiing, for example, $2,000 for one. Yeah. For one. And that doesn't even include the skis that go on the bottom. Um, that's just the seating, seating apparatus. Um, a sport wheelchair for wheelchair basketball, 3,500 bucks, you know, so way more expensive than a pair of tennis shoes for Mm -hmm. an athlete to go out and play some pickup ball. So that is definitely, um, one of the things that we work really closely with the line of health foundation is to raise the funds to be able to do this work. Um, there's no way that we could charge the participants, the true cost of the programs. Mm -hmm. Um, and be able to provide the adaptive equipment and the facility rental and the tournament fees and all of those other things. And so, especially because folks with disabilities are oftentimes on a fixed income or have a lot more expenses than so many other people. And so we work really hard to secure, you know, community grants, national grants, um, and then just donors that are willing to give to help make these experiences happen. One of the other resources that we have for folks to learn about what's out there is the Discover Abilities Resource Guide. Um, In, well, uh, prior to 2020, we held an event called the Discover Abilities Expo, and we hope to bring it back this next spring. But it is an event where we brought together all the different adaptive groups. So anybody that does some sort of thing adaptive, essentially, especially when it comes to recreation or sports. So there was sailing, there was 
uh, taekwondo, there was mountain biking, there was scuba diving, there was sled hockey, and it was became this one-stop shop for folks with disabilities to come and learn and see what is out there. Um, you know, we kind of realized that for a lot of people to try something for the first time, you got to talk to them at least seven times, you know, like it takes a <laughs> yes. little bit of yes. like convincing yes. oftentimes to try something new. I mean, for all of us. And so uh, what was so cool about that event was it was a chance for folks to meet people face to face, to feel comfortable, to try out the equipment possibly, to learn what it was all about, and then hopefully sign up and be involved. It was also an event where educators and medical students or people going into the healthcare professional or becoming a healthcare professional um, could come and learn what is out there so that they can better serve their own patients and clients and students. Um, so it was really, really cool. So we hope to bring that back this spring, but the Discoverability's resource guide still lives on, okay. and that's an online resource where people can go to find out about other organizations around town that do these kind of activities that they might be interested in. Um, so, for example, you can find info about camping or fishing or dance or gymnastics and what places, you know, um, either have an adaptive program or provide inclusive programming. Okay. okay. So it's really, it's a, it's wonderful because we don't do it all and we realize yeah. we can't do it all. We, you know, there's days where we wish we could, but we also partner with other amazing organizations like the Lope Foundation and Three Rivers Park District to be able to provide a lot of these cool experiences. So is that the place where parents should go if they are interested in, you know, just starting to kind of socialize this idea with their kids and get their kid in, in you know, maybe involved or interested or is there other places that you think they should start? Yeah, that, the Discoverability's Guide is a great resource. Okay. Um, there's also the Disability Hub, which is run by the state of Minnesota, and that's just another great resource, but it's more focused on um, like access of waivers or accessible vehicles or how to navigate um, schools and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But when it comes to recreation and activities, this is a wonderful spot to go and look. Okay. And we're talking also, too, that these activities are not just for children. Correct. These are for adults and people of all ages. Yep. 100%. So a lot of our programming is... is inclusive by age. So youth and adults, or we might have like a youth session and then a little bit later have an adult session, that kind of thing. So um, it's for all ages, all different folks from different parts of life. And we have people that are traveling an hour, two hours plus to come to practice Mm -hmm. because there's nothing closer in their own community. Um, And so, you know, hopefully someday we can change that. Yeah. So do you also provide, you know, opportunities for transportation? Are there grants that help people get to the places where maybe these, because I imagine, you know, if you lived um, like up in Ely, for example, and you wanted to get involved, there may not be a program up there. Um, are there opportunities for for people to, you know, find transportation to get to these activities? Yeah, the, the travel component is really tough. Um, we personally don't provide okay. the travel assistance, um, but there are some national grants out there that do. Okay. Probably more so for the competitive sports to travel to tournaments is mm. usually where we see the biggest need. Right. So, you know, because the tournament might be, be in Texas yeah. or something like that. And so... Um, there's a number of our athletes apply for what's called a challenged athletes fund grant or CAF grant, Mm -hmm. which they can apply for and will help offset those travel costs for them to be able to compete, which is amazing. 
So my dream someday before, you know, before I leave Courage County, I don't know when that will be, but is to be able to start that endowment that can help cover athlete travel because it's such a need. It's one more barrier to participation. And there's so many more youth out there that could participate if we could figure out, you know, be able to help cover some of those costs or yeah. partner with another foundation or organization that could cover that. Yeah, because I imagine if you're a person with means, it's much more, it's easier to participate in any of these activities mm-hmm. than if you don't have, you know, as much cash on hand as as another family. Yeah. And I would compare, especially for those competitive sports, um, it's kind just of like, just like yes. travel, youth travel yep. sports. <laughs> You know, like it's part of the game and it is expensive and challenging. um, And that's where we are able to provide the equipment and the the programming and the um, the volunteer coaches and and that experience. Um, So I hope someday we can figure out uh, find that magical donor that can help cover the travel, too. So that's a, a big need when it comes to just breaking down those barriers. Yeah. Um, so if people want to get in touch, what would be the best way to do so? Or how do they follow the activities of mm-hmm. Courage Kenny? So we are, we have a website, alinahealth.org backslash adaptive sports. Um, we're also on Instagram, Courage Kenny Sports and Recreation, and I have a Facebook group too. Oh, so okay. lots of different ways to see what we're up to. Can anyone get involved in the Facebook group? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yep. anybody, you don't, you if you're just maybe even an interested volunteer and you just kind of want to check it out and see what's going on. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and then we also do a monthly newsletter, which is a great place to see what's going on and what's happening. Um, and just finding out what programs are coming up next, but how can you get involved? And on that newsletter, we also list a whole bunch of community resources. So other organizations that are hosting events and programming um, that we know about. Um, So one of the really fun events that we have coming up is an adaptive water skiing open house. Um, We've been running an adaptive water ski program on Lake Owasso in the Shoreview area for the last 20 plus years. And a lot of our boat drivers have now retired because they were doing it for 20 years, which is amazing. So they're ready to pass it along to the young bucks um, and get more people involved. And so we're looking for volunteers that have typically like a water ski boat, so something like an inboard motor that are willing to come out and drive and be a part of the adaptive water ski program. What adaptive water skiing are skiers typically sit, uh, ski in a sit ski. So they're in a seated position with outriggers that help keep them stable. And then we also have some skiers that might ski off the boom or we use something called the triple bar where there's side skiers on each, one skier on each side of them to help give them a little bit more support and kind of can talk them through mm-hmm. the process. So there's different ways that we can do it for everybody, but it's the it's so fun. And it's one of those programs where it's like, we're in Minnesota, yes. land of 10,000 lakes. Let's get out and water ski. Yes. And we have a long wait list of people that want to give it a try. So we're looking for more boat drivers. So on July 19th from 530 to 8 p.m. we'll be at Lake Owasso County Park. And folks are invited to come out, just see the program in action. We'll have a handful of adaptive skiers there that night. Um, and look for ways that they can get involved, either by helping fund the program, volunteering their time, or volunteering their boat, and just be a part of it. It's, it's really fun. It's great. Um, Any parting words that you'd like to share with listeners? (laughs) Um, Get outside. Go have fun. I think these programs, um, 
we really exist so that people can get out and play. Yeah. You know, that's what Courage County Adaptive Sports are all about. And we're just really fortunate with the support of our volunteers and our donors to be able to provide these opportunities for people. One of our clients, Natalie, she said that one of her favorite parts of the water ski program, I think it's in one of our promotional videos, is that she's like, and then I saw able-bodied people doing the same thing I was doing. And you can just yes. hear the joy in her voice as she is out water skiing. You know, we're out on the lake on a minute on a beautiful summer night so it is one of our favorite activities yeah I saw that in the video and then I also and I was just pulling up the quote another young person said it's just you and nature and the water you know like because water skiing is one of those sports where you can just find flow Mm -hmm. and you can just like zone out the motor zone out even that there's like a boat in front of you you know you can just feel yourself gliding and moving across the water it's like nothing else yeah Yeah. so fun yeah so fun so july 19th we'll be out there okay great thank you We Do This For Fun is brought to you by Boreal, a catalyst for wellness transformation inspired by the beauty of the North. Boreal helps people find and align with nature to power individual health and wellness. Wellness coaching, plant-based and outdoor cooking classes, camping wellness retreats, and more. Learn more at boreal.com. That's B-O-R-E-A-L-L-E.com. It would mean so much to us if you would follow and subscribe to the We Do This For Fun show page on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's easy. Just hit the plus sign or click on follow. I know many of you read reviews for outdoor gear to help make purchases for your outdoor adventures. The more reviews, the more likely you are to purchase or take a brand seriously. It's like that with podcasts, too. We'd love for you to give us a five-star review, and after you've done that, just share a quick comment about what you like about We Do This For Fun. Please share our episodes. Help us make an impact, because everyone deserves to have fun out there.